last week. And um, just, to, just to wrap that up before we go into our, our study tonight. But we're, we're looking here at the Church of Philadelphia. And as we, as we get to verse 10 and 11, I, I'm, I'm going to highlight one thing basically here and then we're going to wrap up. But he says here, because you have kept my command to persevere... I also will keep you from the, the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. And there, this, this is a verse that what, what he's speaking of here when he talks about this, the, the test uh, to test those who dwell on the earth. This is this, this uh, hour of trial. And what is being spoken of here is the tribulation. And it's this tribulation time, and we, we've, we've, we're going to be studying all this, but it's a promise that he makes right here to the faithful. And he's making this to the believers, the children, the followers of God. And he's saying here that because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. And this is a verse in support of the rapture and the belief that we're not going to be here. We're not going to be here as believers uh, in my conviction, my understanding as I've studied the scriptures is the Lord is going to take us out of here. There's a lot of debate about whether that's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Uh, the way I read it, it's a pre-tribulation rapture. It, it, when you talk about tribulation, you're not talking about persecution. Okay, per, We go through persecution today. We're not going through tribulation. What, let me rephrase that. We may go through some tribulation. We're not going through the tribulation, through the great tribulation, yeah, with a capital T. We may go through tribulation. We absolutely will go through those trying times, difficult times, but that's different from the tribulation. And that is a judgment on this world. It is God's judgment being released. And we as his children, believers, are not going to go through that judgment. And that's a promise that he makes right here. And, and so one of the things that God's desire, he's talking about here being persevering. And we, we've looked at how he's talking about staying faithful and all that. You know what God still desires? He desires us, these people, us people who are feeble and faithful. We're feeble. And if, and, if, and if you don't think you're feeble, then you, you, we've gotten puffed up with pride because we're feeble. I mean, we are weak. We are, we are helpless without him. We're feeble. What he's looking for is faithful. And just us feeble ones who will be faithful. The Lord wants to guide us. And you know what? He will guide us and he'll, and he'll, and he'll protect. And he's, but I thank God. I, and I believe I'm right and I sure hope I'm right that, we're, that we come out of here early. I don't want to go through any of the tribulation. Not a bit of it. I don't, I don't want to go through that. And, and I don't want anybody that I love. You talk about what ought to motivate us. You got somebody you love. You don't want them to go through the tribulation. You don't want them to be here for that. You need to be busy about winning your friends. You need to be busy about winning your neighbor. You need to be busy about winning your, your, your co-workers, your, your family members. Anybody and everybody... We, we, we need to be busy about soul winning because, you know, there's, it, it's that, have you ever, have you ever come to a, a I, mean, I know you have, you have to think about a situation, but you, you, you know, you, you, you think about there's something that's there and you got a deadline coming up and, and you kind of maybe drag your feet on it or you wait a little bit and then it, the moment passes and it's too late. Now all of a sudden you go, oh man, I would, oh, it's too late. Oh, it's already Oh, man, I missed that. That's, that's nothing 
compared to the regret we're going to feel, I believe, the moment that we're raptured. Now, I may be wrong, but I don't think God's going to turn off our emotions. We're going to be, we're going to be excited about being in His presence, but there's going to be a time where we're going to, there's going to be regret for what we did not do and what we could have done. And uh, folks, I, I think we need to live our lives as believers the best that we can in a way that we have as little regret in the future as possible. Amen? And I mean, and so that's, you know, when we talk about, when we talk about encouraging each other, see somebody's getting into sin, you want to encourage them. Why? Because you don't want them to have regret. You want to help them. You want to lift them up. You want to encourage them. I've shared with you, I want you guys, all of you, to be wingmen and wingwomen for me. You're watching and, and seeing, preacher, there's this, and I'm seeing this, and it, it, it gives me caution. Or, you know, I feel, I feel like there's something going on there. Is there, you know, is there something going on in your life? Are you struggling? Are you, you know, what is it? Is there, because I want y'all to look out for me, and we need to, do, I got goosebumps as I'm thinking about this, because I want you, I want y'all praying for me. I want y'all looking out for me. And, and we need to do the same for each other. I was so encouraged this past week as, as people called me and said, um, uh, I had somebody call me and say, hey, do you have so-and-so's number? Bob, Bob is here tonight. Had somebody call and ask me about you, Bob. Uh, in fact, it was Dave Stewart. He didn't call me. I was over at his house yesterday. And Dave asked me, he said, do you, have you talked to Bob? Is Bob? I said, yep, Bob texted me. And I appreciate you texting me, Bob. To just say, to say, hey, you know, I wasn't there Sunday, and he shot me a text. You know, I've been a little under weather, but I'm, I'm doing better, and just want you to know where I'm at. I ain't going AWOL. And, and I, I appreciate that. And I don't want 200 people texting me every Sunday, but I'd read every one of them if you did. Okay? But we need to look out for each other. And, I, you know, I appreciate Henry. Henry, I, Henry still asked me about, about Mike, my buddy, that I talked about probably a year, year and a half ago. Mike's going absolutely off the rails. Was a preacher friend of mine. He's going off the rails. And, and now he just acts like everything's so great. Posts on Facebook about family, how important family is, as he's abandoned his family and living out in the world as a preacher. He's left his wife. They're divorced. He's totally abandoned his kids. Has nothing to do with them. But puts up the front on Facebook about how, how, how faith and family, how important it is. And I, so I keep praying for him. And I appreciate it because Henry, Henry asked me about him because he knows that's important to me. And, and, and others ask about it. So it's important we look out for each other. Amen? Amen. Do that. I don't know how I got there, but that's important. Um, what he says in verse 12, he says, He who overcomes, and we've talked about this before, that's believers. That's the, the, those who have been born again. We know from other scriptures, that's what he's talking about. Those who are overcomers, these are believers, these are Christians. To those who, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. That is a, that is a constant. It's, it means always there. It's never moving. To be a pillar, to be a pillar right there in the temple of my God. It means we're going we're gonna to be there with him. There is no, we won't be out of his presence anymore. We're going to be there with him. So Jesus not only promises that the one who overcomes will be, will be made into a pillar in the temple. He says, and he shall go out no more. That's a great promise that we don't have to go out from the presence of God. There'll be no end to our enjoyment of God's presence. Amen? Amen. I mean, that, that right there, folks, if, if thinking about heaven and eternity does not get you excited, you should question whether you've been born again. 
If, if your desire and love, you, you've either really slidden back away from the Lord. You've really slidden back a lot. It, the piano's going, I can move now. Um, you've really slidden back a lot if this world is more attractive to you than being with the Lord. And that, that's just one of the things that we can think about is, you know, what is it, what is my heart's desire in this? When we get to be with him, we go be with the Lord, there's going to be no end to that. There's no end to that enjoyment of his presence. And we can't even comprehend that. It's, such, it's so small what we've already experienced of God, and it's so grand what we've experienced, and yet it's just a little bitty taste of what it'll be to be in his presence for all of eternity. So we'll be a pillar, and I'm, I'm going to jump. I'm going to move from there. We're going to go right into lead to see it, or I'm never going to get through. I'm not going to get through even a par- portion of this. So I'm going to buckle up, okay? Buckle up tonight. I'm going to move a little fast. Um, I know I won't finish, but here's what we're going to do. We won't be in here next week because we got VBS. The following week, there's a really good chance that we may actually travel a little bit. We may take a little short trip. And I may not be here on Wednesday. If I do, Patrick, if I'm not here, Patrick will teach. He's already scheduled to teach that on the 12th. I think that's the 12th. Um, and then I'll, I'll probably finish this up when I get back. But I'll let him jump on to chapter 4. We'll get there. All right. Laodicea, seventh church, final church we're looking at. And this is the lukewarm church. You've probably seen different headings, different titles, but Laodicea, very simply, by the, by the scriptures themselves, is the lukewarm church. Now, Hierapolis was a city which was about six miles from Laodicea, and it's famous for its hot springs, and the waters that are there are, uh, are as hot as 95 degrees Fahrenheit. By contrast, the waters of nearby Colossae were cold and they were pure. Do you have the video, Patrick? I forgot I had, I put together, not a video, just uh, slides, I'm sorry. I forgot I had slides. All right, so Laodicea, so right here, you got an idea again. This is, we're, we're talking about Asia Minor, so we're talking about Turkey, the area of Turkey. Oh, no. Okay, it doesn't work. How about that? The pointer is no good. All right, but anyway, you, see, you can see Ephesus there. If your eyes are good enough in the back, you can see where Ephesus is. And then blown up, we're looking at the, kind of the southwest quarter of Turkey, really maybe the, 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 the western third, lower half of the country there. We see Laodicea where it, it lays in there. And then this is kind of a, a closer in look at that. And you can see some of the churches, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, right, just right of the middle is you see Hierapolis. Just south of there, we see Laodicea. So it's about a six-mile track from, from Hierapolis up there down to Laodicea. Uh, Colossae wasn't much further than that. It was a little further south. But that is a valley running through there. And they're on opposite sides of the valley. The river runs through there. And, and the black lines that you're seeing are, are roadways that came. They were, they were trails. So as you look at that, one thing you notice about Laodicea, and as, we, as we're going we're gonna to learn about their water, the thing about their water was that they got hot water, came from Hierapolis. You had the cold, pure, good, wonderful drinking water. It came from Colossae. But they didn't have, this town wasn't really formed 
because they had water there, which would have been a, a, a requirement for most places. But this town wasn't, it wasn't like they founded a great water source. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But they didn't find it. But what you see is those roads, it's kind of an intersection of a couple of major roadways through there. So that's why the town, the town ended up right there, they believe, is because of those. It, was, it just happened to be in these areas, crossing of a couple of paths. So there you go, you get a town. And they're close enough that with Rome and the things Rome did, they were actually able to build aqueducts. They're, if you go on and search Laodicea, you can see some of the stone aqueducts that they were, would have built. Now imagine the construction they did in those days to build an aqueduct to bring hot water from six miles away and bring it down, or to bring the cold water from eight, eight miles or so away. Just incredible when you think about that. And... Um, so it seems that Laodicea was, was chosen because, it, 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 because of the crossroads, not because it had its own water supply. And it seems that Laodicea received water from a remarkable aqueduct of stone pipes. And I should have got some of those pictures because they really were remarkable. When you look at the stone, big, I don't know how big they were, but in relation, if they were this big, and then you got a pipe in the middle of it like this. So then you think about running hot water through there. It wouldn't be like having an open aqueduct, which I've seen in in Israel, those that go next year will see those aqueducts that are over at Caesarea and that, that the water would have run down the top of that and it would have been open. You run hot water for eight miles down through there. It's not going to be hot by the time it got down there. But you run it through a concrete that's that thick, an aqueduct through that, the water would still be hot when it got down into Laodicea. So archaeological evidence indicates that the waters around Laodicea were, uh, were affected with a calcium carbonate content. And, and so what it was was it resulted in the water being impure, but it was also this word. Uh, how many of you know this word, emetic? Emetic? Is that the right word? You know, what does it mean? You know what it means? You've heard it, but you don't know what it means? Anybody know what it means? No, just emetic. E-M-E-T-I-C, emetic. What it means is causing vomiting. So if you drank the water there... If you drank the water there in Laodicea, it would, it would induce vomiting. It would make you sick. So, you, so obviously they didn't put the city there. They didn't build the city there because it had such a great water source. The water source there was actually impure. It would make you sick. It would make you vomit. So Laodicea was also a wealthy banking center. Some other things about the city. Wealthy banking center. And then at, so after a massive earthquake in AD 60, Laodicea didn't need any help from Rome as they rebuilt the city, as they remodeled the city. They didn't say, hey, Rome, we had this natural disaster. Can you send FEMA down here to take care of us? You know, we're, we're going to stand on the bridge until you get somebody here to help us. They didn't do that. They went ahead and they built the city. They rebuilt it without any help. So in this, it seems like Laodicea demonstrated a certain proud self-sufficiency. They, were, they, could, they, they could take care of themselves, and they were proud in the fact that they could take care of themselves. So there was a lot of pride in there. There were some indications that Laodicea might have also been home to significant specialists in ophthalmology. And that seems strange when you think about that. Stuff with the eyes, ophthalmology back 2,000 years ago, that, that what they could have done. But all of the things that relate to the cities, that's why it's interesting to look at the cities and what were their strengths, what were their weaknesses? Because the Lord, when he wrote to those cities, he deals with them as they were. Um, they also had, they, they were something of a style center. Okay, so they, they, were, they had this, they were promoting a fashion, this, this black glossy fabrics 
that were made from natural fleeces of an animal that had been developed by their breeders. Not even sure what that means. But they were, they had a black fabric and they were, when I'm reading that, all I could think about was Russia. I go over to Russia. If you've ever been to, anybody ever been to Russia? You, you, you flying to, Scott, you've been there? Okay, you've been to Moscow. When you're in the airport, everybody's wearing black, right? Black jeans, black leather. Everybody wears black. Black shirts, black leather. It's just dark. It's that. But that's what I thought about as I was studying this, is that they, 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 so they were fashionable. They had this black fabric, this glossy fabric, and, and they, they were doing that. So all of this wealth attracted Rome's attention, and Laodicea was abused by its Roman overlords. So now when you think about all the things, they're wealthy, they're, they're, they've got some great things going on in the city. They're, they're prosperous. Um, and, and then what happens was Rome comes in, and here's what Rome did. I'm not even going to try to read what, what was said, but one of the writers who wrote about this city, he said that what Rome did is they came in and they, they forced the citizens to house the soldiers. Now, they forced them to house them. But on top of that, they forced them to basically give them um, give them some money every day. They had to give them a monthly sum or, or a daily sum. So the soldier comes and sleeps in their house, kicks them out of their bed. They sleep in their bed. And then when they get up in the morning, they, they give them an allowance as they leave the house. The, the soldiers didn't pay the homeowner. The homeowner had to, give, had to give the soldiers money. And then they had to provide dinner for them. And if they brought any guests, they had to provide that for their guests. They had to provide clothing and daily subsidies for their officers. So they were, when you have prosperity, then you get abuse, right? Again, what city, what, what does, the, when you think of Laodicea in that description, what, what could you relate it to today? I think you could relate it to America, right? And we're going, we're going, the more you look at this, you know, we, we find, and I've said this, every, every letter can be related to us today. We can find things in every letter that the Lord wrote. And I believe that was the purpose was that there are churches that would relate. You could find a church that looks like each of the seven letters. But we can take each of those seven letters and as we work through those, we can see ourselves in that. And there's things we're going to see, we see about Laodicea that remind us of ourselves today and remind us of America today. So they had bad water. They had big banks. They had stylish garments. They had eye doctors. They had people demanding supper from them. And Jesus speaks to them as they are, and he speaks to the needs that they have. He's speaking to them. And it's, it's, it's encouraging as you read this because, again, we're going to get to that phrase where he says, I know your works. The Lord knows them. The Lord knows them. Folks, he knows us. He knows everything going on. There is nothing that gets by him. So verse 14 as we begin here. And, the, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Um, so as we look at this, uh, we talked about lukewarm, all right? So kind of still in the way of introduction do you want a lukewarm doctor? You want, do you want your doctor to be lukewarm? Anybody ever had a lukewarm doctor? I have. I think that's pretty infuriating to me when you have a doctor that day. So you go to the doctor. Say the doctor, he's, he's just lukewarm on disease. Yeah, Brent, you got a disease. Well, doc, should you, should you give me some medicine? Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, well, is it a big deal, Doc? I mean, is it something important? Yeah, it is. Yeah, mm, yeah. 
You don't, want to, you don't want your doctor to be lukewarm about disease. You don't want a soldier being lukewarm about battle, right? You want your soldier that's out battling for freedom, you want him to be engaged in what's going on. I thought about this as I, as I was reviewing today. Yeah. You want a lukewarm kamikaze? Eh, I don't know if I'm in the mood today. You know, you, know, you want somebody, when we talk about these things, lukewarmness is the, the, the idea of this letter. It's this, and we're going to look at what it is and, and, and how people... But do you like lukewarm? I think we were talking a couple weeks ago about one of the things that frustrates pastors is, is the apathy and lack of commitment among professing believers. And I would agree with that. Probably the most frustrating thing I face, it's not the little people problems and the different things. It's not, I mean, the, real, the real frustration is seeing people who say, I'm born again, I'm a born again believer, and they don't get involved, they don't get connected, they don't engage. Uh, it's, they're, just, they're just consumers. I'll show up when I want to. I'll only do what I want to. Uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's the apathy, the lack of concern. And the lack of concern is in their own, their own spiritual being. You know, and it's like, wake up, right? You, you ever feel that way? If you got kids, you felt that way. That's what it feels like to be a pastor because you have a lot of kids, spiritual. I mean, I'm not your father, but I'm, I'm, your, I'm a spiritual leader in your life. And I can tell you, my heart's desire is to see you grow in your walk with Christ. And I've had folks sitting in this room who got mad at me and have been mad at me because I dealt with something in their life. Didn't like it. But some of them will come back now and say, hey, thank you for doing that. I hope they all will. I hope they all would. I hope they all would. You're here, so I think you would. Lukewarm is not a good thing, and, and we're going to see that. So here's what, verse 14, Jesus, Jesus, who is the true witness, and the first part he says, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, that terminology is different than any, anything we've seen yet in an introduction. All right, so let's read that again. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. You got it? Go back to chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus. See the difference? To the church, the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, the angel, uh, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Look over at verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna. So it's the church that's in Smyrna. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos. To the angel of the church in Pergamos. Verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Chapter 2, verse 1. I'm sorry, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis. Then verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. All of those, those first six letters, it's, all, it's the same way. To the angel of the church in wherever. Here he comes to the church in Laodicea, and he says, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. And, and here's the thought. It's as if he says that the church at Laodicea wasn't his. He says, he says you know, it was the church of the Laodiceans. It wasn't just the church at Laodicea. 
wasn't the church in Laodicea. It is to the church of the Laodiceans. It is their church. It's not his church. And uh, the Lord stands before this church indignantly as he's dealing with them, but very lovingly. And that's the way the Lord deals with everything in our lives. He, he, he will deal with it. He, we're talking about speaking the truth in love. The Lord always speaks the truth in love. He speaks the truth in our life, but he's always loving. His desire is to bring us to him. That is, that is his desire. But he stands before him, and he's presenting them with the challenge of his person, of who he is and his presence. And that's what he's look, we're going to look at. So to the, church of the angel of the, uh, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans writes, These things says the amen. Now, if you look up that word, the amen, because the word, what, you, know, you look up these words, it's amazing what you'll see. And we use amen a lot, right? We, it's a, so it's a... It's a a colloquial, uh, what's the word? colloquial phrase that we use, and it basically is, it expresses strong agreement. That's why I like to hear amen. Okay, so if you if you're sitting there, um, I don't I, I like to hear amen, not because you know if you if it's true and you agree with it, amen it. Don't don't feel hesitant to do that. Okay. Uh, it, that, that encourages others. It, it's, it's an expression of agreement, but it's a strong agreement. When we talk about those things, and you'll hear sometimes on Sunday mornings when I'm preaching, Raymond, Raymond will throw an amen, and some others will throw an amen. It encourages, it encourages me, but you know, it's not about me. It's truth. We're agreeing with truth when truth is spoke, with spoken. Um, but the common English translations of that word amen are verily, truly, it is true, and let it be so. Let it be so. So the, these things says the amen, the truly, the it is true. He is truth. The Lord is true. And he says that. He says, then continues and it says the amen, the faithful and true witness. Now, the letter to the church there in Laodicea is the only one of the seven in which Jesus uses this phrase. When he says in verse 18, he says, I counsel you. So he introduces himself to the church as the amen, the faithful and true witness. And then in this letter, the faithful and true witness offers counsel. So his counsel can be trusted. If he is faithful and he is true when he offers counsel, what should we do? We should, what's that? We should listen. We should respond. And yeah. We should absolutely, we should, we should, we should heed to what he's saying. We should, it should bear strong weight to us what he's saying because this, he's going to counsel. He says, I counsel you. If the Lord says, I counsel you, folks, we ought to be paying attention to that. Um, so here's the question I would have. Who, who, whose counsel are you inclined to listen to? You have to think about that. Because, do well. I hope not. I hope not. But people do. I don't. Want, I don't want to take my. I don't want to take my counsel. But but you know what we do, Thomas. You speak some wisdom there, whether you know it or not. You speak great wisdom there because who speaks into your life more than anybody else? You do. You do. We speak negativity in our lives constantly. You know, we get caught up in. I can't do that. I was so tickled uh, Sunday night with um, um, Zoe, and I, I was I, I was talking. I was just just 
if you weren't, let me just tell you, if you weren't here Sunday night, you need to go back and watch it, but it ain't the same watching it as it was being here. It, Sunday night was just precious. We were here for an hour. It was fantastic. I was, I was uplifted and encouraged the whole night when Trish sang. For four years, I've heard Trish can sing. I've never once heard Trish sing. I heard Trish sing. She's back there. And, and, and it was, you know what? It wasn't Trish putting on a show. It wasn't Trish trying to show you how wonderful a singer it, it, she is because she is gifted. She, she glorified God with her gift. And it made me smile. As she started, I just started smiling. And and y'all may have seen me if you were here because I was looking around because I wanted to see who I was smiling. Because you you wouldn't even know it. You're sitting there and she's singing and you'd just be like, yeah. And I knew it was going to be that because when she was in here practicing earlier in the week, I was back in the hallway and I heard her and it just made me smile. So much I almost laughed. Which is, man, that's awesome. So we had, tri- we had every, everything that was done was just, it was God-honoring. And Zoe comes up, first time, up in front of a group, just did so good. You know, and the concern with that, and I'm sure Kevin and them are working. Is Kevin back there? He's back there. I know, I know they're thinking about this, and they're working with her. They want to make sure that she doesn't, it's not, it doesn't become about Zoe. It's about praising God. So that's a, that when you're bringing kids up and teaching them to, how to worship and praise God, it, it has, you got to guard that because someone who's gifted can go up thinking about how great I am. And, you know, I, I've been in that, been around people who, man, it's all because of me. I, you know, you don't want that. She's so precious. And I know she was kind of, she wanted to sing and then she was a little hesitant, but she got up here and did that. And I was so excited when, not that she messed up. Here's what I was excited about. She, she messed, uh, missed a line or something, and it didn't phase her. She just kind of laughed it off and went on. And I thought, praise God. Because for some people, you know what, here, here we go again. We're so insecure, that's why we won't get up here. You may have a gift, and you know what you do? You go, no, no, I can't, I can't get up there and sing because, you know, what if I mess up? So everybody in here would mess up. Have y'all not seen me for four years? Um, but you get up here and, and she made a little mistake. And instead of it being, oh, see, I knew I was going to mess up. And I got up here and messed up. And now everybody's laughing at me. And, and, and you know, it's so embarrassing. No, it doesn't have to be that. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I connect and relate with folks through not being perfect. We connect through hurts. We connect through imperfections because we are. So don't let your insecurity keep you from doing something for the Lord. Are you going to mess up? Yeah, you're going to mess up. But that's where that insecurity goes. Well, I can't, I can't bear the thought of if I mess up, you know, my self-esteem can't handle that. Get your self-esteem out of it. Your self-esteem is in the Lord. What did we talk about? 1 Corinthians, you know, last week. 1 Corinthians where, where the Lord says, you know, your identity is in Christ. Amen. Paul's teaching that our identity is in Christ. It's not in me being a good singer. And if you've got a gift to sing, use it. If you've got a gift to play piano, play it. If you can blow a horn, blow it. If you play guitar, play it. Whatever God's gifted you to do, do it. Kristen, she, she, she's, I'm not going to tell all the conversation, but... 
she, see, then my staff won't talk to me if I explain. My family doesn't talk to me anymore because they realize it'll be a sermon illustration. <laughs> so they, they, they walk around on eggshells now. So let me tell you about Gina. And you have to, no, no, I can't do that. She, she, she just started shaking her head. So Chris and I were talking, and, and we, we've, there's just been a lot going on. She's had a lot on her, and she came and said, Pastor, i got to have a little help because some areas, and here's what I thought she was going to say. i got to back up some on the office stuff so that I can do more with the children's thing because I just knew that was kind of her passion, the children. That's where it's going to be. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? She's so good in the office. And what it turns out is she just needed some help in the children's area to get her back to doing what her passion is, which is administration. She's passionate about it. She does a lot of stuff, and she does it well, and I'm so thankful for her because I don't, I, I like some administration. I don't like all administration. You know, Todd's smiling. He understands. He, Todd works spreadsheets all day long and love that. And I'm like, ugh. You know, that's not my, you know, anybody else just, oh, oh, shoot me now. But that's her passion. So she understands how God's made her. She understands her gifting and her abilities. She should use that. Folks, you got to find what it is. John has, where, where God has John right now, how long has it been, John? A year and a half now? A year and a half. Uh, if you go back two years ago, John was still within the element of, but it, there were some things that he just wasn't excited about his job. I and mean, we could tell that. And circumstances, he got freed up from that. He had some opportunities and had some really good opportunities that came along. And we were like, man, we were praying in elder meetings. Like, this job, it's a no-brainer. They're going to offer me the job. I mean, it's just, I've interviewed, the interview went well, everything, it's all that. And it did, and it, they didn't, it didn't work out. And it, it didn't work out. And what I watched is John said, you know what? That just means God's got a plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. And he did. And he trusted him. And now the Lord, where the Lord put him, it's exactly where you need to be. He's doing exactly, he is. He, he didn't just get on the bus. He got in the right seat on the bus. When you get in the right seat on the right bus, Man, God, it's good. It's really good. You get in the wrong seat, you put me driving a bus in New York City, I'll die. So you can get in the wrong seat. I don't want to be in that seat. You want to be in the right seat. Whatever God's created you to do, what the gifting he's given you, the abilities and the talents that he's given you, folks, use it. Discover what it is. And it brings great joy when you do that. Brent, do you enjoy playing the guitar up here? Okay. Christian, you like the you like the, the you like that administration? Yeah. Bob Bob likes to take pictures. He, so when when I can remember to tell him that we got something going on, he'll bring his camera and take pictures. Um, I don't know how I got to that. Whose counsel, whose, counsel, whose counsel are you interested who, who do you listen to? That's what we were talking about, yeah. I love Wednesday night. Y'all may not. I love Wednesday night because I, I, I don't feel like I have to get through my eight pages. I can teach, and if we need to stop, we stop. But whose counsel do you listen to? The Lord offers us counsel constantly. It's in His Word. Every situation we have in life, it's in his word. Whose counsel are we seeking? Or do I listen to, you know, mainstream media? 
Am I, am I listening to the, my, the news? Am I listening to, uh, I, I don't care who's in the office. I ain't putting a whole lot of weight on anything any of the politicians say. I don't care what side they're on. They just, I think they get in the back room and they discuss it and they say, well, we want to take this side and you take that side and you go raise money from you guys and I'll go raise money from my guys and we'll just keep fighting each other about it and we'll perpetrate this for the next 50 years and we'll exploit America and their prosperity and we'll make them feed us as they house us. Sound like America? Laodicea. Who do you listen to? Who, who's... Who's counseling you? And it it should be the Lord, and it should be through His Word. This ought to be the counsel. Now, I encourage you as a believer, you should talk to other believers, solid believers, mature believers, and you can get some help and counsel. But if if they start a counsel that's against the Word, then they're not seeking, that's not good counsel. Get away from it. Amen? Okay. Last part of verse 14 says, the beginning of the creation of God. And there were some liberals. Liberals will try to take that and say that was, that uh, Jesus was the creation. It was the beginning of Jesus there. Uh, liberals, understand that. The HCSB, or the, what's now, I guess, the Holman Standard Bible, uh, translates this as it, that Jesus is the originator of God's creation. He is the original. We understand that. Um, you know, that's to say that with the Father, Jesus began all that is. He created all that is. Jesus wasn't created. He is not a created being. He is an, he, 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 God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are eternal. They have always been. Christ didn't begin right there with creation. He didn't begin. He wasn't born in a manger. That's when Jesus became into existence. That's not what it was. Jesus has always existed. Um, So with that, understanding that Jesus has always existed, he is definitely someone we should listen to when he gives counsel. And you know, John 1.1, we look going again to him being the in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So who is the Creator? Creator God is Christ. He is the, he is the Creator. Colossians 1.16, For by Him all things were created that are, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. The plan was put together long before... It's hard to say even eternity because eternity equates time, which there was no time. So when you're talking about... It's just he's always existed. The plan was before Christ ever moved in creation, everything's already, it's already, it's, it's, it's already done. It's already known. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And I love that word, all things consist. It means they hold together. He holds everything together. Even today, you know, and there, there are the liberals again that say, that, that those that say, well, I believe in God. I just don't believe God has anything to do with anything going on today. That's just, he, just, you know, he just took his hands off, and he did not. 
through him. He, everything still today, everything is held together. The son does what the son's supposed to do because God, Christ, is sustaining that and making it consist. Everything is going on because Christ is holding it together. All right, 742, uh, I, can, I cannot, I'm not going to go any further. Verse 15, first phrase there, I just, I want you to think about this again because this phrase has, has touched my heart the last few weeks. I know your works. Again, the Lord says, I know your works. And he knows our works, folks. Everything we're doing that we should do, everything we're doing that we shouldn't do, he knows it all. Every, every word, every thought, he knows. I know your works. Folks, he knows everything. We're not, we're not, we're not, nothing, he's not missing it when we're doing good. And he's not missing it when we're doing wrong. You ought to just carry that with you. He, he, he's with us. He knows everything. And he's not our co-pilot. If he's your co-pilot. The, I, I was telling you about the wreck I was in, when I was in before my junior year. The guy who was driving the car had a tag on the front of his car. It said, God is my co-pilot. We had the wrong pilot, folks, that day. I promise you. Could have been avoided. All right. Any, any questions, comments, or anything before we wrap up tonight? We'll be back here in two weeks in this room together. In two weeks, next week, VBS. Don't forget, the, please take the containers home. Otherwise, they're going in the dumpster. All right, so if you've got use for them, we'd love for them to find a home. All right, nothing? All right, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the blessing of being in your house. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we, we, we went through just a couple of verses tonight, and yet, Lord, you teach us and you speak us through every word. Every, there's not a single word in that book that's a waste. It, it, it's not inadequate for even a single word. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to, to, to learn from it. And I pray, God, you'll just continue to teach us. And as we go through this book of Revelation and and Lord, is now that we're getting through these letters in another week or so and begin to, to move through the timeline there, I'm so excited about, about, Lord, what you can teach us and how you can challenge us again, Lord, to be passionate about the lost people around us. We've got a whole world, whole world around us, Lord, that are lost and dying in their sin that needs you, Lord. God, give us a passion for lost souls. Lord, we'll praise you for that. Give us a good week. Help us to be cognizant, to be mindful, to be attentive to the opportunities around us to share Christ. And we'll give you the glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.